everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I'm going to straighten out these socks for everybody. That's how I'm going to start the show. We have, uh, in case you don't know the logo, because you don't ever look in the sky to see the beam, we have Batman. Batman socks start the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Father Knows Something. Tonight, we are going to, we have all kinds of stuff to really touch base on before we get kicked in, but we have Justin with us. We have, as you guys have met Uncle Jimmy, we have Jimmy visiting us still. He goes home tonight, so this is it for Uncle Jimmy for a while. We get to exploit him one more time. One more shot. But before we go anywhere, I... I, you know, some of you don't really know what some of us do during our normal daily lives. Justin is a music creator and producer. And yesterday, they went to the happiest place on earth. And we all know where the happiest place on earth is. Jimmy, where is the happiest place on earth? Disneyland. Absolutely. So why did they go to Disneyland yesterday is because in the um, area, which they call Toontown, I believe it's Toontown. It is. And there was a, uh, I guess, a competition for different music creators to come up with the music that would be playing in the background throughout the day, day in and day out, for however long, for Toontown. And the guy that created that music that plays sits right to my left. And a part we, of it. Part of it? A part of it, yeah. Well, you and your partner. Yeah, but there's there's multiple. Uh, it's a full twenty minute loop or thirty minute loop. I see. So what was your what what did you actually do to this besides go listen to it? Did you have we have a song in there and you have part of the creation of that song? Yeah, he's humble, guys, but it it certainly has his masterpiece in it. So when you hear the the cre- you know the beginnings of two hot takes in the music and you hear the you know the music for Father Knows Something. He is not only the creator of that, but he has stuff in Disneyland, which is very cool. And I'm very proud of you. And it gives me great proudness because he wasn't going to say a thing. And I just said, nah, they got to know, you know, they, got, they, they really want to know more about us because they're our family. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And Uncle Jimmy, do you have anything to say this as, as you are coming to the end of your visit? Well, this day is certainly bittersweet. Uh, I... Luckily and happily get to uh, do another episode with my best friend. So I'm thrilled about uh, being here and doing this, but I'm going to be flying out tonight on the red eye and that's going to be sad. And don't think that we didn't make Uncle Jimmy sit in the studio. I think he sat in here for a few of my shows. He sat in a few of your shows. He did some Patreons. So we got a lot of Uncle Jimmy this week. So I think it's really great. So Justin. Okay. Well, are we guessing the theme anymore? No, we should. No. <laughs> we're done with that. Uh, we're going to be weighing our options today. 
Weighing the options. Yes. Should so, we start? Should we get actually a balanced scale right here, and we could actually? Have, I think that's a great visualizer. And yeah. we could have had an option A or an option B, and watch the little thing go like this. Yeah. What happens if option C? Do they just balance? It balances. Yeah. Oh, and then neither of them are in, or they both fall. It, it still balances. <laughs> it just falls over. <laughs> if, if nothing is done, it still balances, unless it was totally out of kilter in the beginning. But that was because somebody put something on that scale. Okay. Are we confused yet? Uh, no. Good. Any thoughts? No, I'm good with it. All right. All right. So let's get into it. Number one, hey guys, I've been watching for quite a while to both shows and now I'm having this issue. I thought I could write in and ask you guys about it. Apologies ahead of time if this is long and or scattered. I, 24 female, am marrying my wonderful fiance, 25 male, next year, 2024, in October, and I'm struggling with deciding if I should invite my mother or not. Background. I wasn't raised by her or my father and instead was raised by my grandparents, my mother's parents, because the courts took me and my older brother away. I see them as my real mom and dad, though. I call them grandma and grandpa. I still knew my mom and saw her all the time growing up due to court-mandated visitation. However, growing up, it was always apparent that I was not the favorite. My brother, 27 male, always was. I don't fault him for this, and he and I have a great relationship. My mother has diagnosed narcissistic personality disorder and is bipolar. Due to this, she can often go long periods of time where she's great and there's no problems, but unfortunately that never lasts forever. The way I usually put it is she's really good at faking it until she makes it, until she can't fake it anymore and the mask falls. Due to her NPD, she can't stand when major events aren't centered around her, and will make it about her, whether that's in a positive or negative way. The best and most recent example of this was my college graduation, when she ruined it by getting into an insane argument with my father, and finally I blew up at her and told her exactly what I thought about her. The next day she had the audacity to text me and say that she forgives me, and never said that she was sorry. After that, I went no contact for almost two years, and only recently started talking to her again. Low contact when I told her I was engaged a few months back. On to now. I've been struggling with whether to invite her or not for a while now, but yesterday she texted me asking all kinds of questions about the wedding. Like date, venue, dress, and things like that. She was even offering to help with any planning and even paying for some stuff. My grandpa is already going to pay for most of the wedding. It's not that I don't appreciate her wanting to help. I just don't want her to get invested in a wedding she may not even be invited to. My main concerns are that if I do invite her, there may be a situation that will have to be dealt with. And I don't want all my friends and family to have to worry about if slash when it will happen. If I don't invite her, I feel like I'm robbing her of her only daughter's wedding. And there's no guarantee anything bad will even happen. Additionally, I am inviting my father. 
They're not together and haven't been since I was three, but I feel bad for inviting one and not the other. I'm not super close to my father, but we're on good terms. I know my mother is trying to have a good relationship with me, and I know she wishes she wasn't this way, but I can't help but worry that something will go wrong anyway. Okay, wow. Um, at first, in the first couple of sentences, it just seemed like, of course you're going to invite your mom, your parents, your grandparents, the people in your family you're closest to. Certainly you would want them there. They're going to want to be there. But it became pretty obvious that this is definitely not somebody that you should invite to your wedding. First of all, I mean, you you gave examples of how if it's not centered around her, then, you know, unfortunate things could happen. You, if she is there, maybe everything will go smoothly. Everything will go great. But you are going to be worried sick about it all day and probably for the week or so before the wedding. You're just, this, this is such a special day for you that you need to make it comfortable for you and the things that are going to make your memories good. And the stress of having her there is just too much. So just for the people that are the podcast listeners and not the YouTube viewers, that was Uncle Jimmy that we've uh, told him that we're going to have him chime in first just so we can hear him speak because we don't get to hear him that often. So, Jimmy, I think that you are absolutely correct, and I can't uh, alter the fact that this woman is so predictable that it's in her nature like a bee would sting somebody if they went swatting at the, uh, at, at the hornet's nest. It's going to happen. It, there's going to be stinging. There was once a movie, there will be blood, and there was. So we, we all recognize that this woman, because of her diagnosis, it, as much as she may promise not to be an issue, as much as you may go to her and say, you know, Mom, I want you to come, but the first time there's a problem, you're going to be removed. We, we've had these readings before where we've said, we're going to have a guard on, you know, we're going to have security that if someone gets out of hand, out the door they go. I think that you can certainly talk to your mom and let her know why you're not having her come enjoy this event. Um, it might simply be at minimum, and I don't even know if this is reality, where she's allowed to come witness the ceremony, but she's not staying for the, the party because at the party, she may go AWOL. She might even come into the, the wedding before you come down the aisle and go AWOL. We just don't know how she's going, to what limit she is going to exercise her, her ability to gain that attention. And because of that problem is why she can't really be there. And Jimmy, you're absolutely right. Why do you need to worry on the day of your wedding how your mom's going to behave? It's just not a part of it. So... I feel for you. I know you're that we, you know, when I first, you know, heard the topic, my first thought was, yeah, you want, I mean, sure you want your mom to be able to come and, you know, witness you getting married and, you know, she's a part of who you, who you are. She's a part of the reason you're here. But as you read on, the bottom line is, is that it's going to be an issue. And again, I, I agree. You can't have it. 
Justin. Yeah, and for the ideal outcome, for my wedding to be a great day, whether she is or isn't there. If she is there, I'd want nothing to go wrong. But if she isn't, I want to be okay with that. And this is coming down to a, like, really, this is a gut decision. And that mm-hmm. anything else, I live in a different state as my mom now. My mother did raise two little brothers. If I did invite her and something went wrong, I have plenty of people who would deal with the situation so that I wouldn't have to. If I did invite her, should I have strict rules for her? I feel like I'm grieving not having a real mom. Well, you are, here's here's the options that I see. If she is going to be there, she has to be in a place where they can, where, where she agrees that she can't be a part of the show. She's not a part of the show. She's a witness to the show. And number two, if if she doesn't agree that, if you don't really believe that that's even possible, you put a video camera and you let her watch the, the video of the wedding from a remote place so she can have a fit and throw the camera around. If that's And, and I'm exaggerating, of course. I don't yeah. think that would happen. But she realizes that she cannot do something that's going to cause a problem on that physical site. So if you have family that says, I'm willing to take that responsibility and we're going to sit in the back of the, uh, or up in the balcony above and she can watch it. But, you know, she got herself here. You didn't put her in this place. True. Her behavior is something that whatever was her upbringing or whatever triggered this behavior or chemistry, what went, you know, in her DNA, I don't know enough about, you know, the syndrome. I know nothing about it. So uh, I, all I can say is that I'm going to believe there is a syndrome. I'm going to believe that this is something that, that is real and that her behavior will certainly kick in and she's going to want to become the star of your own wedding. And she is not the star. She is simply a witness to mm-hmm. the wedding. And that is something that you guys are going to have to be comfortable with. And if you can't get comfortable with that concept, she's got to watch it through a videotape or a, uh, a video videographer. Well, and something too, it's next year, 2024. There's a lot of 2023 left. Oh my God, yes. And so you could, you know, if you if you wanted to, you could... It's 18 months away, basically. Yeah, but you could, you could almost schedule something with her. Mm-hmm. I know she's in a different state, but do like a weekend trip or something and just kind of get a feel. Because this is going to be a gut choice. This is going to be a gut decision. And, you know... It can be done in 2024 as far as we're concerned. So there's ways you could kind of like test test it out and see what the vibe is now, how how your interaction goes. Uh, maybe be in public with her, maybe try different situations and just see. And if you get a better feeling, then put some of the people that you say could deal with it, you know, make sure that they're near her at this wedding. The bottom line is, is that even if you have these meetings with her and she says, I'm going to behave and she demonstrates all this positive behavior for the you next, never know. for this, this next, you know, 17 months, the month before, and all of a sudden we're at 17 months, you know, 29 days and she's been great. And the wedding, and we said, sure than shit, this woman's going to do her behavior. She's, the family's all going to be together. Dad's going to be there. This is going to be there yeah. and her parents are going to be there. And all of a sudden she's going to say, this is my baby. And uh, and you're going to have this whole thing flare up because it's predetermined. <laughs> she yeah. can't, she can't help herself. 
True. And if even if she doesn't, are you going to be comfortable during this whole eight hours? Look at him. I mean, no way. I I, I can't see a good uh, outcome with the mother coming. But since you do have all this time, and if you do meet with her, plan a trip, like Justin said, might be a great idea. Um, I would try and this is going to be hard to navigate, but I would try very hard to not invite her until the last, you know, moment. Obviously, you have to give her some time. Mom might might need to get a dress and all of that. But you don't need to invite her early. You tell the mom, look, I'm having reservations about you being there, and this is why. We could communicate. We can talk. We can see how things go. And I will let you know at some point in time, but right now, you're not invited. It's a lot easier to invite somebody later than to uninvite them. And if you hear Jim's tone as he's saying this, he is very calm. He is delivering the message responsibly and in the most clearly honest possible way. And that's the way you have to pitch this, because otherwise you're just going to incite her and you're going to have a battle. And the last thing you want to do is have the fight. Well, so, and uh, speaking of that, I would not accept any money from her. Ooh. Especially if you're not, if you're planning to not invite her, that's quickly going to turn into a very bad situation for you. And if she comes and something happens and you like push her out or they deal with the situation, um, that's going to be held over your head still too. So I just would avoid that from the get-go. I agree. Uh, I didn't want to forget about that part. Sure. You know, it's, I, I feel for you, mm-hmm. but you know, it is what it is. And the fact that you're uh, reading the situation so clearly at this point in time uh, tells me that you're going to make some great choices. So yeah, let us know. We'll be, we'll be around in 18 months. Certainly write us and let us know your, your, your progress and how it's going for you. Yes. What else do you have for us? You got another one? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Trigger warning on this next one, you guys. It does have talks of emotional and physical abuse. All right. Number two. Two. Perfect. Two. two. <laughs> <laughs> I, 22, two. female, am struggling with cutting ties with my dad, 53. Okay. We don't talk much as it is, but lately he's been trying to reach out more often. My dad was emotionally and physically abusive to me from ages 8 to 14. My parents were divorced, so things started getting bad when they divorced and stopped the physical abuse once my mom threatened to take him to court. I was told almost every day, quote, you make everyone around you miserable. It took me a long time to learn that wasn't true. I got told again and again that my thoughts, feelings, opinions didn't matter. 
He would lock me outside at night, throw me on stairs, hit me into pavement till I couldn't get up anymore. When I do see my dad, I feel anxious, afraid, and angry. I turn into the most hateful and irritable person. I don't like being that way. I feel guilty about cutting contact with him, but I also want to be able to move past all of that trauma. I feel like continuing to avoid him is just making things worse for me and for him. He wants to see me before my birthday and keeps asking about us getting lunch. I always thought writing a letter would be best. I know he will gaslight me and say nothing ever happened. We've never talked about what happened. The physical abuse just stopped one day and we never talked about it again. I genuinely don't really know what to say. I know I will feel guilty about cutting ties, but ultimately I think it's best for my mental health. Ideal outcome to cut ties and prioritize my mental health. Additional info, I do still want to be in contact with that side of my family. I don't know how to explain to them that I don't want any connection to him. Um, if fans that are watching this episode have seen me in, uh, in other episodes, you know that I had an incredibly close relationship with my father. Uh, couldn't imagine a closer relationship between a father and son. And so hearing this, the first thought was, yeah, I mean, if there's any way to mend this relationship, uh, it's worth it. And I've had friends who didn't have a great relationship and I've always encouraged them to, to build, try to build something back with their fathers. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes not. Normally it does work, uh, but it's never been this type of situation where there's been abuse like this. Uh, not the situation where the father so mistreated his own daughter in this way. Uh, this is, you know, beyond the pale. And you, you, you provided such insight yourself with the, your mental health. And although it's great to have a relationship with your dad, your mental health is what's, is what is uh, the most important thing. And I would say in this particular case, um, it's better for you not to have a relationship um, if you still communicate somewhat with him as he reaches out that you have to decide whether zero contact or extremely limited contact is appropriate. But as far as the rest of your family, they know, they know what he's put you through. They, they, understand the situation. And if they don't, you can explain it to them. If you want to have a relationship with other members of the family that somehow are not aware, you uh, just give them the scoop and they'll, I think, appreciate it. I was thinking a 30-year-old man is beating the shit out of this child. And not only a child, male or female, uh, you just don't hit kids and we just don't do it. I mean, you just don't hit people period. So all that said, you have tremendous psychological scars from this event. And your father has done nothing to try to heal or even uh, have a discussion to take ownership of these issues and to help you 
cope with whatever you're going through in, in, in your life? Because this had to affect you as a, a young adult growing up and trying to have relationships with, with people. So there's all kinds of stuff that's needed here. I, I don't know if you've gone for psychological assistance. I don't know if your father has gone for any kind of psychological you know, assistance. I don't know if you guys have gone to counseling between you and your dad and trying to, it doesn't sound like any of that has been a, any part of any, of any play. So all that said, until anything would begin, I think you have all the right in the world to just cut it off and worry about your own mental, st- you know, uh, sanity and stability and, put things back in place and, and in your mind say, you know, absolutely, this is not a way life is. And anyone that treats me this way is out, no matter who they are, they're out of my life. And so I, I give you a lot of uh, encouragement and stand with you and behind you with whatever you do decide to do. Um, and I, certainly know that after having a few of these comments, they're going to resonate within you. And I'm sure they've resonated in you way before we've had this conversation, but we stand with you tall that you need to protect yourself because if you don't protect yourself, obviously he isn't. So do you find that if we look at just her and him right now, do you feel like the letter is a good strategy? Yeah, I would definitely say write the letter and say for the following reasons is why we, why I'm choosing not to be involved with you. Go if if you decide to get seek some therapy regarding why you reacted the way you did, what you did, and then later involve us in a group session. I'd be willing to go to a group therapy with you and see if we can heal this. But I'm not even going to come around you until after you get. You, you accept the problem, you acknowledge the problem, and then we can work on us. And I would identify that first because she has no need to get involved with him, period, until after he has, seek, has really gone and sought help. Right. And realizes there was something that he did and whatever his anger was to go do this to a child, to then say, look, you know, I've done the following work and now I'm willing to uh, I need to see if you're interested in coming, you know, meet, meeting me at the psychologist so we can talk about it and maybe heal, heal all this. You can't heal something if you don't open it up. It's just not going to happen. Right. And then Jimmy, I know you were kind of talking about the explaining to, you know, his side of the family. What strategy would you use there? Is that kind of more of a sit down in person kind of thing? Or how do you really yes. bridge that gap with them? Yes, definitely. I don't know how many different family members there are, uh, but sitting down with one or one or two at a time to explain the situation uh, is appropriate. A letter would not be appropriate in that case because right. you're just, you know, telling your your story. Um, it is, as I said, they... I can't imagine that they don't already know, but it's also, I'm, I'm very impressed about how mature OP is because I could see where uh, a 22 year old would say, I really miss having a dad. I have to have a dad in my life. He has to be my dad. I have to figure out how to fix this. And it's not your responsibility to fix it. It's your responsibility 
to maintain your sanity and your health. Mm-hmm. And it's the father's responsibility if you know, the, the therapy that, that Jerry mentioned was sounds spot on, that the father, though, is not even acknowledged. It's bad enough, all the things that he did. He's not even acknowledging it. So right. I, mean, I don't know if therapy would, would help uh, solve it, but it's something the father should definitely do. True. Okay. Well, I think that uh, we have that one, and I hope that you follow through and let us know what you did do. And I'm sure, you know, there's going to be a lot of comments on this one too. Yeah. And people are going to want to know how you did handle it. So let us know. Okay. You got another one for us? We got time? Perhaps. Let's go. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Number three, my 23 non-binary childhood best friend, 23 female, lost her father a few days ago. They had a complicated relationship, which is one of the things we bonded over. I also have a difficult relationship with my parents. We've remained extremely close for over a decade now. Usually I know exactly how she is feeling and how to help. We've been each other's rocks most of our lives. But with his passing, I have no idea what to do. She's been extremely emotionless throughout this. She was actually out of the country when he was admitted to the hospital and was still on a plane back to the U.S. when he passed. Every update she's sent or text has been facts only. I know it's recent, but I have no idea what to do. She's not always the most open person emotionally, but I know this must have hit her very hard, even with the complex relationship. I'm struggling trying to figure out how to help her. We are still so young and I feel like I have no resources on what to do. She's an amazing person with so much stress on her plate already and I'm scared that this is going to break her. We also live in different cities, which makes it hard for us to see each other in person. I'm worried about her breaking down or needing my help weeks or months from now and me being too far away. I'm scared of what will happen if she keeps this bottled in but I'm also trying to respect her grieving process but not pushing her too much and letting her lead the conversations we're having. How do I help her? I haven't lost a parent and she is my first close friend to do so. I want to support her the best way I can to hopefully get her through this. Jimmy? My, my first thought is it's obvious you're already a very good friend. And you're doing the things that I think are the right thing to do. You're, you're there for her. And maybe, you know, none of us will know the right words to say to somebody in this situation. And it's complicated because of the, the relationship that she had with her dad. But when somebody passes away, a family member, still a very close family member, um, it's still your dad passing away, her dad passing away. So certainly I agree with you that it's definitely affecting her 
emotionally. And the fact that just try to talk to her about it. And even though she doesn't normally open up, you might be surprised and she might one day start crying or just letting it all hang out. Mm-hmm. And when that time comes, she'll need you. And I think you'll be there for her. There's a lot of, of unfinished business that when, a, when somebody has a, a, a difficult relationship with a parent and the parent ups and drops dead, everything is, is, is not settled. And all the things that you wonder why get stuck. There's nowhere for it to go. And the fact that she's holding everything in and she's trying to cope with all this, you want to be that friend, as you say. I have an idea. You know, sometimes people are afraid to get assistance to put things in hand because they say, I can't afford it or I can't do this. Maybe, I don't know your financial position, but maybe if you say to her, you know, we're friends. And if we work together, maybe we can raise the money that can help you get some counseling. Or there are other ways that you can find counseling for her. If she if she can't open up to you because whatever, maybe a professional is needed to help her. Grieving is a tough thing to go through in the best case scenarios. When we, when we have the best relationships with our parents and everything is settled, we still have to go through grief. It, it, it's a part of the life cycle. And we don't know really how it hits, but you can talk to many people that have lost a parent and subconsciously, they know the date the parent went. And so a year from now or in, uh, on that anniversary, seven years from now, that date, you know, that July 25th, for instance, pops up and you go, God, I don't understand why I'm having such a difficult day today. Yeah. Because your subconscious knows it and it's reacting to it without you even knowing it. So this is all going on within her. And obviously she has to find a gateway to get out of it. And if you can, if it works by just being there and being a friend and during time, it will go through the healing is one way. But if it needs some extra assistance professionally, maybe you might say, you know, let's, let's, I'd like to go, you know, help you out in any way I can, or I'll get an extra job because it's so important to me that you get, that you have it available to you, that I'll help you in any way I can. And that shows that friend that you really want to help them yeah. more than just saying, gee, I'm here for you. That's really being there. That's saying without, without her even asking you for that help, you put something on the table and she may decline it and she probably will decline it, but it, it's something that is probably really necessary only because of the abuse and the, and the toxicity that she may have gone through in that upbringing that she cannot in any way get uh, healed from with, 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 with reason to it. You know, the last story we had, there is a possibility that after she writes that letter, she's got a place to write that letter too. Right. You know, this is the thing that you have to go to your spiritual side and say, I got to throw this and let this go. Like, you know, people go up to Burning Man and they go to the temple with, with heavy weight that they still have. And they write down that heavy weight or they bring a shoe of their father and they, th- with, with the heavy weight note tied to the shoelace, they toss it into the fire 
to get rid of all that weight. Mm-hmm. Something symbolic. I'm not that this clever. I just know that I believe that there is ways that you have to deal with it. And eventually, I know from my own experience, you have to deal with it. You have to become yeah, you know, clear of it. Well, and I probably should have read this, but um, the ideal, I would love for her to be able to process this however she needs, but I don't want to just suggest therapy as that feels impersonal and she already knows I'm a very big mental health advocate and I've suggested it to her for other things which she has turned down, which is only a, a, a very small part of what you said. I think you're demonstrating of just really being there for her for whatever she really needs. Mm-hmm. And then with what Jimmy said, I think it's smart to be there and then you're not you're not like poking but you're waiting for that moment if there is that moment where she opens up and kind of lets mm-hmm. it all out that's then when you can really step up and mm-hmm. know your role per se versus now it's a little you know it's it's confusing because it's only been a few days mm-hmm. so i maybe just be patient see how it evolves but then be there if she needs it and she'll let you know i think if she needs it Mm-hmm. And the fact that you had a difficult relationship with your parents makes it just seems that you're the perfect person to uh, to be there for and to help yeah. her. Yeah, I think we got this, and I think that uh, people that are reading this again, we are going to get support. You're going to get support within the comment lines, and um, let us know what you did do and how she did respond and how she is in a period of time. Give us a recap. You might, might wait six months, might take you longer, but let us know how you're doing and how she's doing. Yeah. Okay. So we're now going to do the uh, click switch. I'm going to snap my fingers. And when I snap them again, you are going to see it's a double snap. First snap, Justin disappears. Second snap, Morgan reappears. And we're going to continue on. Would you look at that magic? You know, I would. I would, used to watch Bewitched, and I was trying to watch. What was the uncle? Uncle, what was his name? Bewitched. I don't remember. No, she, he'll know. I should know. I it know. was Samantha. Yeah, but the uncle. There were a few uncles. There was Darren, and then there was Uncle. I don't know. All I have in my head is Uncle Fester. <laughs> That's the wrong From Adam's yeah. family. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of too. It was. I know. Funny how that works. Yeah. Let's get back into this though. We have a couple more stories and I really want to answer them. Rip away. Okay. So this one, trigger warning on this next one to you guys. It does contain talks of abuse as well. This is going to be complicated and a little long, but I'll try to be as clear as possible. I am a 22 year old female and my little brother is 20. I should also mention my father is a suspect in this case, so I also fear for my brother's safety. At 16, I caught my father having an affair with one of my best friends' moms. Weeks later, she was murdered in a very public case, and it is still a cold case. After this happened, the curiosity got the best of me, and I started digging. My father had numerous affairs, I'm talking more than 100, over my parents' 20-year marriage. It also came out that he had sexually assaulted me as a child, and from then on, I seemed to be the target. Once I exposed his affair, the anger turned into abuse against my mom and I. It also was revealed that five or more of his affairs were with my mom's friends. 
I also seem to be the main target of his emotional and psychological abuse. He has always discredited me as a child, calling me a liar and always taking everyone else's side but mine. Thankfully, the physical abuse never happened to my little brother, only some psychological and emotional abuse, but never as much as my mom and I. My brother is now 20, and since he never witnessed or experienced the abuse my mom and I received, he wants to reach out as he is still struggling not having a father figure. We haven't spoken to my father in a little over six years. When we did try to have a relationship with my father, he was manipulative and psychologically abusive to us and never put my brother or I first. How do I support him in reaching out when I know he will end up hurt as he has every time before? Ideal outcome, be able to support him in the healthiest, safest way possible. Jimmy, I am going to let you at the mic first. Well, I'm... It just saddens me so much that, I mean, that there certainly shouldn't, you used to hear about abuse with a, a husband against a wife, but you're hearing so much with a father against kids, especially a daughter. And it's it's sickening and disgusting. And uh, I can't, you know, imagine that, uh, that you would want to have anything to do with them. So in that sense, the fact that your brother does is, is kind of uh, obviously difficult for you. I understand, I guess, the, your brother's feeling that everybody wants to have a dad. Um, and he wasn't a, maybe aware, really, of what was going on. Uh, but he is aware now he wasn't aware as a child, but he knows that what the father put you through and your mom through. I would say somewhat based on the writing, at least for me, maybe you could chime in too. It doesn't feel like the brother knows the depths of how bad it was. I think they kind of protected him a little bit. And you got to remember that life, this is what normal life is for the brother he may not recognize, even if he saw something dysfunctional, that that's dysfunctional in other people's lives. So let's continue on, Jimmy. Well, um, I I don't see at this point that you need to go out of the way in in letting your brother know that uh, you know you're going to make it easy for him to have this relationship with the father because it it hurts you. The father did some did things to you that is just unspeakable, and it's nothing that you can really forgive. I don't think. Uh, so, if the brother goes ahead with trying to get a relationship with the father, you can be there for your brother, but that doesn't mean you have to. You don't want to let the brother know that you've forgiven the father. So that's that's my my yeah. thoughts well I, I i morgan you have something that you want to comment you can go first i i and i i clearly think that you certainly have the and I, if i'm reading this correctly she's wondering if she should tell her brother all of the fact and protect the brother he, i i think that she's absolutely got to tell the brother what is really present what happened in the life he has to have full clarity what is acceptable in in life and in mental health of 
the kind of guy that does the things that he did and the carrying on that he did in their life, how uh, inappropriate that behavior is. I mean, he was married. He was sleeping around with a hundred different people that his mom's best friend. He, when you, when you saw it, you called him out on it. He made you the liar. He, he, he was so narcissistic. He couldn't take any kind of responsibility for any of his own uh, errors. Mm -hmm. The guy's not a, the guy's not a healthy guy. And so it goes back to the rule that we had for some of the topics before. Dad's got to go get some assistance, but before you guys start mixing with him, keep him out of your lives until he is healthy enough to bring you into his lives. And if he's not going to get healthy, then you need to have him out of your life. Mm -hmm. Write the letter. Mm -hmm. Because if you write a letter, they can't argue with you. Yeah. Well, and it sounds, you know, he's been out of their life for six years. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been a part of their life. But this is, you know, the question she's asking. How do I support my brother in reaching out when I know he will end up hurt? You don't really have to support him, I don't think. Honestly, no. and I don't think you should. I don't think for you and your mental health, that's healthy. I think you have a conversation with your brother and like you said, Jimmy, you let him know that you're there for him, him. But it's not, yes, I support you and reaching out to dad. It's how open you want to be. And you say, you know what, based on the history and the abuse that I've experienced, I don't really want any relationship with our dad going forward. However, I respect you and I know you might. And I am here for you if you ever need anything and you leave it at that. I want you to feel safe. I want you to be able to come to me if anything goes wrong. I am here for you, but I will not and never will subject myself to that abuse again. Correct. Totally. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, this is a really, this is a tough one. And I think a lot of these today, they do deal with abuse and it's, it's kind of hard because as you know, as kids who have dealt with abuse, those people, you know, if it's a partner, you can get divorced and you can cease all ties with that person. But when it's a parent, there's this longing to still mend that relationship. And even though you've experienced such terrible things at the hands of these people, there's almost that desire still to to know them or maybe fix it or better the relationship or have a positive outcome. And the reality is that sometimes that's just not possible. Well, do you feel that she should also try to make it such a point that, that he should obviously will be totally aware of what he's dealing with and maybe he should seek some assistance in ha opening that relationship with his father with some guidance on a professional level? I think family therapy would be amazing. I think personally, before I unloaded all of this trauma on someone who hasn't experienced it, I would have an individual therapy session and just say, hey, like, I don't know how to tell my brother these things, or is it even appropriate that I dump all of these things on my brother? And the therapist might say to you, you should let your brother know all of these things. He should absolutely go into it knowing everything. And then I think the therapist could even facilitate the conversation with the you and the brother. Mm -hmm. So your brother can have some positive coping strategies after learning this. Or I agree. Potentially, you know, going into this relationship with your dad again, and your brother can have positive coping strategies to deal with things he might encounter. So 
I think I think therapy is really necessary for for this one and you know the other one that dealt with abuse um we all need therapy but I think out of the stories so far today those two really stand out for me where therapy could be so beneficial I think it's absolutely key Mm -hmm. and for you too I mean you have a lot of healing it's it's no easy feat overcoming what you've what you've gone through I agree got another one I do. I have one more for us to wrap it all up. Okay. My 25 female in-laws don't respect my or my husband's 28 male wishes about our last name. My in-laws are old and old school, but I love them. And for the most part, we have a good relationship. They do have a history of being a bit controlling, but we've set boundaries and have had some success with helping them to understand that we are not willing to be treated as children. The one thing that hasn't been resolved is the issue of our last name. My in-laws have a very plain, common name, and I don't think it fits me at all. On top of it, my husband and I have very common first names, and he has a history of being mixed up as a different person with the same name. I don't want this for me or my future kids. So before we got engaged, we discussed that we would combine our last names to make a new name that was truly ours. There are other reasons I don't want to abandon my last name that I won't get into. We didn't want to hyphenate as our names sound strange together, but can be combined into a very elegant sounding new name. My friends and family fully supported this and truly expected nothing else of me. But his parents still aren't on board. As an example, we've been married over two years now, and they will still send us mail addressed to Mr. and Mrs. their last name. It's incredibly frustrating. We've corrected them many times, but they just don't get it. My father-in-law seems to care less than my mother-in-law, who is the one usually writing the cards and such, but he is in no hurry to correct her either. I know it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like it's evidence that they don't actually respect us or our life choices. I'd like some advice on how to get them to start addressing us by our actual married name. Is this something that is worth distancing ourselves from them over? How does one set a boundary about a name? The most important element, I believe, is the communication between you and your husband and the fact that you both agreed. I can imagine several situations where the wife or the husband might want to do something with their names that the other one doesn't agree with. The fact that you were both on board with this change is marvelous. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really the key. So you should be able to have whatever name you want to have. That is your right. And the fact, and it's great that your family is on board with it. Um, I, people are stubborn. And obviously your mother-in-law is one of those people. There are many reasons why families would want to keep the name. There's a lot of tradition there. Usually I could see where it would be more the man that would want to keep the name, not the woman, uh, as far as the, 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 you know, your father-in-law would want to keep it, not the mother-in-law. So that's kind of interesting, but I believe it is 
your husband's responsibility to have a very intense conversation with his mom and straighten her out. Uh, I don't think that it should be to the point where you distance yourself there, unless there's many other problems that we haven't discussed. But the your mother-in-law just needs to understand this is how it is. And we believe we deserve the respect of you calling us by our legal name. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you're right about one thing. People sometimes take their names very proudly and they don't want to relinquish it. When my parents, our ancestors came from the old country, our name was S-E-G-A-L-O-V, Sigalov. And my uncles, when they came through, whatever they came in, they come in through the country, they actually came through Canada and Winnipeg. But when they, when they did come through, their name went from, and that's, this is the, the best part, they went from S-E-G-L-O-V, Seagull Love, to Seagull, one uncle was S-E-G-A-L, and the other one was S-I-E-G-E-L. And would you believe it or not, the two brothers never spoke, got such a fight about it, they, they ceased to speak. And over I, that? Over that. That that um, now, now, my answer was Jesus. even better. Why, if they were trying to shorten the name, why did they just go to L-O-V-E, to love? <laughs> now, it's it's a name. And yes, the history, if I went back to the old country and I went looking, I'd never find Seagull. I would find Seagull Love on, on, on head markers. I have pictures of them. The, the biggest thing is, is that this is who you are identifying as. And we like to say, get over it. Go to the family member and say, you know, I love you guys. This is our identity. We wanted to merge it this way. Just, you're right. Just respect what, what we've done and who we want to be addressed by. We are who we are. I mean, you look at Charlie Sheen and his brother, Emilio Estevez. They're brothers. Everyone knows they're brothers. They got two totally different names because of marriage and how whatever. No, uh, uh, Martin Sheen, his real name, mm-hmm. I believe, is Estevez. That's right. And so he changed it when he became an actor. Mm-hmm. And one son went, took that name and one son took the right. original. Right, took, took, his, took his historic name. But it's just, again, no one doesn't identify who they are. So maybe the mother-in-law needs to recognize this is who we have become. This is who we are. We have, we do have roots of our name in this. It's part of the, that root, and just respect it and go along with that. And and by the way, uh, the way I remember uh, this from uh, reading about it uh, decades ago, when families came to Ellis Island, uh, the reason that many of them changed their name was they were still afraid that the authorities from the countries that they originally were from were chasing would them down, track them down. And so they wanted to have a different name so they couldn't be found. I see. Yeah. I actually just watched a video on this from like a Jewish historical society or some sort of Ellis Island foundation or something. And it's a misconception that they were forced to change their name when they came through Ellis Island. But right. a lot of that paperwork was done before they even got there. And a lot of it was done for assimilation purposes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
the lot there were people that said like oh well they were ch- the, you know they had it changed because the people at Ellis Island didn't speak you know their language blah 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 and that's not true so it's the the history about names and name yeah. changes is it's really is a interesting lot of, and I think some of it was pronunciation but for all of you out there I think I look much more like a Jerry Love than a Jerry Siegel yeah well we do have a little bit more info too on this one where they go on to say. I think my mother-in-law might have told some of her family that I took their name because I've received wedding invitations and such that are addressed to Mr. and Mrs. their name from some of my mother-in-law's extended family. Somehow, this was even more frustrating than when it was just her. Mm -hmm. And so in my head, I'm like, I would get some labels made, you and your husband's names, Mm -hmm. Mr. and Mrs., your new last name, print it out. Smith Meyer. Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm sure it sounds cool. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. But I mean, describing it, it sounds like it's a good smush together. Sounds elegant. Print print those labels everywhere. And as you RSVP, it's on the label. Paste it on the line. Mr. and Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Paste it on the name line. And honestly, with your mother-in-law... Yeah, your husband needs to lay down the hammer, like Jimmy said, and put a kibosh on this because it's his family of origin. But honestly, don't respond. Anything she sends you with that old last name, don't respond. I didn't get it. Must have been sent to the wrong people. It could be Mrs. Mr. Mr. Mrs. Schmier now. Schmier is very good. It's SM. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But I think, you know, if she's going to play this way, you play the way you want to play. I would just stand tall and just continue on your way, and she could just go go bark whatever she wants, and this is our well, name. And the I thing do is, like your idea of making your labels and send that to your labels, friend. Yeah. Make the labels, yeah. Make the or labels. Or the stationery. Beautiful uh, both station. Of it. Both whatever. of it. But like she also says, being addressed as a couple with our chosen last name without causing damage to our relationship with his parents is the ideal outcome. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is going to have to be in your husband's court and just setting the boundary. If you call us by this last name, you're not going to get a response. And I, I guarantee you also when you have children, if you choose to have children and you're, and you have a Jersey printed up eventually and they're calling little Johnny Schmier, whatever his name is, they're going to get, the parents are going to, eventually they're going to log into it. No, I could see them getting the baby onesie that says baby their last name baby like smith baby smith you know whatever the original last name was their son's last name i could see them just doing that and and, and all of a sudden that shirt is just gone it, it burnt it, it's, it's it's a crisp it, it, it's loaded with car wax <laughs> so i guess asking you both this what if they never get on board what do you recommend they do husband has a conversation with them says hey mom and dad this is our new last name only refer to us by this. Mm-hmm. But if they never get on board, what do you what do you think sh- they do? Well, uh, first of all, I'm and I have a suggestion, but it's I don't believe that this is the reason to have a baby. Uh, but if and when you do have a child, grandparents, man, they they just love to be around those. Grand, those grandkids, <laughs> they would do almost anything to be oh, around yeah. those even, grandkids. Even, even, even respect and acknowledge your new last name. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. Hopeful so, thinking. Uh, so uh, if they don't come on board, um, 
Jerry, what do you think? I think the parents will come board. I think if the, if if the husband actually really goes and lays down the the law with his parents and says, "Mom, this is just not going to work." It when you look someone in the eye and you say it's just not going to work and it's causing us a lot of grief and pain, I think that hopefully she will uh, chime on board and respect it. I mean, you would think so because you know maybe I was going to say you'd think so because she knows what it's like to change her last name. But maybe that's why she's so pissed because she had to change her last name and her husband went smush. Who knows? Let us know. Again, we're going to we're gonna make this. I want to get a sign that's going to flash. Just let, let us, us know. know. <laughs> Tell us how it's going. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, I, and I will read the comments because I'm sure a lot of you out there are really going to help us out and give us some great ideas. Yeah, and I think Justin and I are actually going to create a separate Google form for updates. So I get a lot of comments on the YouTube and on the Instagram where it's like, how can I write in? You know, I'm trying to ask you guys my question. The Google form where you submit your write-in is in the description for the episode on both audio and YouTube. If you happen to have an update, there's now going to be another form because we just get so many write-ins and we mm -hmm. ask for all of these updates and then they kind of get a little lost in the sauce and they're very hard to find. So be sure that you're submitting to the right form, the right link. And the one that I read is the YouTube ones. You, yes. So if you also, if your your story, your write-in came out in an episode and you're comfortable directly commenting on our YouTube channel, we have gotten updates from the writers in the comments because after. Because that's, that's where I, that's the only place I really go when I read because it, you gave me that access. We'll see you on Patreon. Come on over and watch it. And again, my goal, Jimmy, can, is that stuck to the wall or is that thing lift off the wall? You're not pulling my plaque off. There is a plaque that says Justin YouTube, hung it so nice. 100,000. Help us out. Make sure that if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. More than half of our listeners aren't subscribers. It's not hard. Just press the button. Thanks again so much. We'll see you on Patreon and we'll see you next week. Good night. Mm -hmm.